If you have a family member, uh, maybe your daughter or son, or maybe you're a husband or wife, or even your father may be going off during a war, and you're very worried about them, what do you do? What happens when they return? How can we make the return easier? I recently went to a conference, How Will We Welcome Them Home? That was the title of the conference, The Unseen Cost, cost to American Armed Forces and Their Families. And I heard a wonderful speaker. His name is Jay White. He's from the Department of Veteran Affairs, and he's in Hartford. And he is a readjustment counselor, and he has been to, through the war. He's going back to it. Welcome, Jay. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, Jay, it sounds like you've been through some very unusual experiences. You've been over to Baghdad. You served in the National Guard? Yeah, I, I did, in the Army Reserve. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and at the conference, I heard someone say, the war starts when the vet returns home. And I'm wondering, what's meant by that? Well, um, I guess what they, what they would be talking about is uh, the readjustment periods. Uh, and that doesn't go just for the veteran. It goes for the family as well. Um, and it, it's a debate about who has it harder. It, some people could say, you know, the veteran has it harder or the family has it harder uh, as far as trying to get readjusted. What you see a lot of times um, is, take for instance, uh, a soldier and his wife is at home. Um, this is a common thing. Or his fiance or you know, one significant other. Um, I think what happens is the person at home, first of all, while they're gone, your imagination can really take off on you. So you have no longer the help. Also, you're, you have doubling that up. You have the fear that uh, your loved one is in, in danger. Right. Uh, so if your husband goes o uh, overseas to fight a war, not only do you have the anxiety from that, but you've now got to play the role of the husband to take out the garbage, to take any of the responsibilities with the children or elderly parents that he would have helped you with. Yeah, pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then from the from the uh, the veterans' point of view, when when they're over there. Uh, there's nothing they can do. So that's a um, detractor. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a big problem. You feel bad for one and uh, guilty and all that. And, and it's a concern because you know if something does go wrong, uh, be it, you know, uh, you're thinking about your wife, you know, you heard she had a flat tire. What did she do? Um, how did she fix it? You know, you weren't there to help. You're, you're handcuffed. And you'll get phone calls and, uh, you know, She's upset, saying, you need to come home, and you know you can't. So you're really caught. Then when you, you mentioned that the war starts when you come home, and it, and it does in a way because um, that's when they first see you again, you being the veteran. Right, and what are their expectations? Well, they're usually higher than um, what they should be. Uh, Daddy's coming, or Daddy or Mommy are coming right back, and we'll just pick up where we left off. Exactly. What they do, I, a lot of times from what I have seen myself and from what I hear is it seems like people put you on pause and expect you to pick up right where you left off, but you were gone for 12, 15 months. Or right, and you were not on a vacation it, around the world. No, you weren't on vacation, and you've changed. You know, you've got a lot of new experiences, some of them the most memorable of your life, good or bad, mm -hmm. and uh, you're expected to come back as, as you left. Yeah, um, and, it's, and to pick up all the responsibilities again. Right, right. Um, and that doesn't ha stop just at home, at work, too. Uh, people 
you know, they see you at work, and according to the laws, you have to have your job and all that. But deep down, people think, well, you haven't been here for a year, so you need to, you know, and you don't want to come home day one and just go right back to work. You want a month off or whatever, and you're entitled to it a lot of times with your leave. Um, so you just, you know, people don't see you and just think you're going to come back exactly as they last saw you, and that's not the case. So just the shock value, your expectations are so high, you come home and you get the realities of what's really going on, and people may not understand what you've been through, and you may have been, you may have seen people killed, you may have killed people, you may have seen best buddies maimed, or, you know, what goes on at, during a war, and there's, who do you process it with, your, your young daughter or a fiancé? You know, how, how do you deal with those types of issues? Well, very rarely uh, from the veterans I've seen that come into the vet center here do I hear that people are able to process it with somebody at home. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's somebody you know on a different um, spectrum. They, you, you care about them, and, and they don't understand, so it can be frustrating, too. Uh, and you don't want to open a can of worms. And you can, you can traumatize them. The vicarious traumatization for them might be there if they feel, oh, my God, he was hearing mortifier, or he was almost killed, or they, uh, he just nearly escaped death here. Um, what you this this is where you come in because you run an outreach program. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what you do as a readjustment counselor? I know during the conference you were talking about taking vets deep sea fishing or to the Boston Marathon or playing baseball or doing unusual activities that you wouldn't expect in therapy. Help me help explain what's available for vets and how to get over the stigma too of of going to seek help. Okay, sure. Um... The basic things we do here at the Vet Center is, is the outreach where we go and talk to uh, units or individuals, uh, soldiers, Marines, and any veteran coming back. Um, so you have that, that segment where we go out and spread the word about where to go and what benefits people have. But once they come here, the two main things are we do individual counseling and group counseling. Uh, not everyone is uh, prepared to go to group counseling if they don't wish. It's, it's open to everybody. Uh, but those are the two main things. And then in the individual counseling, you also have sexual trauma counseling and bereavement counseling. And, and it's open to us for significant others. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. But can family members come too? And do you do any family therapy? Yes, yes. Um, it's open to anybody who's been a combat veteran. They're uh, significant others. It doesn't have to be family. It can be a friend of theirs. Uh, are allowed to come in. Mm -hmm. What you were talking about with the activities, we do have that because um, there is a stigma, uh, like you mentioned, about coming in. It's, you know, the military is a proud group, and you don't want to say that you need help, and you probably think you don't need help at first. You know, you can handle it. Mm -hmm. And then things start changing and whatnot, not to be afraid of anything, but where is it you go to get help? Um, so one is the issue for the veteran is to find out where to go, and two is to, I would guess you could say, have the guts to go. Okay. So that's where they need courage, the courage that oh, they okay. need to yeah. fight a war. They that's need to, to yeah. be honest with themselves. And if they're experiencing some of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder or depression, uh, if, they're, if they find themselves numbing themselves emotionally or reacting to um, startling easily or getting angry very quickly, it's really important to reach out early. And I want to thank you so much. 
Jay for joining us. This is Jay White from the Department of Veteran Affairs at Hartford, the Hartford Vet Center, and he's a readjustment counselor. There's a lot of help out there. I worked at the Brockton Veterans Hospital, and we worked with families, we worked with the vets, and really tried to help them put their lives back on track again, help them make sense of the trauma that they went through and deal with it more reasonably for themselves. Thank you for joining us again today, Jay. Thank you for having me. So it's so interesting for me to hear that uh, for some people, it's so hard to get help for psychological issues. And you wouldn't expect if you said, you know, do you play the piano? And you, you wouldn't expect for a person to just know how to play a piano. But we expect people to just know how to think about very difficult, complex issues like the aftermath of a war, the aftermath of a hurricane, the aftermath of an affair. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and it's been great being with you today on the Rational Basis of Happiness, and I look forward to joining you again next week. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and co-author Dr. Edwin Locke. Your romantic partner cannot also be your therapist. The roles are totally different. Your partner can be understanding and supportive, but cannot be responsible for your mental health. If you're riddled with self-doubts, fears, and anxieties, don't ask your partner to put you together again. That is your job, along with the help of a professional. Mental health is important, and psychological problems can be resolved. If you seek professional help, put in the effort and do the introspective work. You need not remain a mystery to yourself. You'll acquire the ability to remove the barriers to your happiness, and you'll make yourself more lovable. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com, and you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com.